0: Wow, what a buffet, what a buffet already this morning. And we're just getting started. Let's go forward to freedom. The next seven weeks, forward to freedom. And we're going to start slow today and we're going to build towards freedom on on Easter Sunday. Always going forward, standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before, but God's message of powerful hope always pulls us forward. It's always important as we look ahead to see what God is doing. So um, I want you to do something with me for a moment this morning. Just take your hands, put your you know your thumb and one of your fingers on your temple right there. You got that? Go ahead and rub it around a little bit. How's that feel? It feels pretty good. If you got a headache, you can just do this for the next twenty-five minutes. It feels really nice. Um, right there, underneath your fingers on your temples, is the amygdala. Are there any physicians here? Did I say that right? amygdalae. That's what I'm going with. And it's, it's a, actually, it's a Latin word. You can take your hand down now, and, or it actually feels great, doesn't it? It's a Latin word that means almond. And inside of our brain, the amygdalae is there, and you can thank God for your amygdalae. That's why I want you to put your fingers on your temples right there. Thank God for your amygdalae, uh, or amygdala, if you're using the singular. Amygdalae, if you're using the plural, and we're using plural because it there's two, the and they connect in the center of the brain, if I understand all the research right. And that is the place in your brain that tells you to watch out. Be careful. How many of you have been to a Little League baseball game before? <laughs> Heads up that's your amygdala. Your amygdala is making that happen. How many of you have had this happen to you? You're walking down the street, and you get to the end of the curb, and you don't necessarily sense anyone coming, and you step out into the street, and there's a car. They honk, and you jump back. You're not supposed to do that, by the way. That's your amygdala. You are alive today because of your amygdala. It's that portion of the brain that tells you, be careful, watch out, you're in danger. Take cover, and physiologically, it sends all kinds of things immediately in in and through your body. You breathe faster, your lungs expand, you you have superhuman strength. Alfredo becomes Hercules. My wife becomes Wonder Woman. Right? Wow. Wow. least you're listening, what can I say? (laughs) The adrenaline rush just kicks in, and we're stronger, and we're faster, and we can move quicker. Thank God for the amygdala. That's why we have it. The problem with the amygdala is if it's on constant overload, total and complete anxiety, total and complete exhaustion. It's that alarm system that prompts the reaction of your body before you even know it. Perpetual anxiety is amygdala with an itchy trigger finger, says Max Licato. And we live in a world where it seems to be on constant alert, do we not? Watch out. Look out. Be careful. Did you leave yet? Are you home? stuck in traffic, be careful, heads up. I've never understood that, by the way, heads up. What's that all about? Heads up implies, and then, you know, bonk. (laughs) Heads down sounds a little bit better, but for some reason, the guy that invented that phrase said heads up, I don't know. And our world says this in different ways. Work harder, try harder, meet the deadline, find that cure. Homes for the homeless, water for the starving, a pathway to citizenship, time's running out. Hurry up, hurry up, watch out! Budget deals, mental illness. Ah, It's a long list, right? The list can go on and on and on and on and on. And the Israelites were no foreigners to this kind of amygdala overdose. Sounds kind of funny. thousand years ago but they understood anxiety on overload watch out pick up our story in exodus chapter one let me give you a few hints and guesses about about their life together and then we're going to focus in on on three verses later in chapter two so exodus chapter one verses eight to twenty one in the worship folder goes like this takes power in Egypt, right? Remember the video screen earlier? Sahara desert, hot, not a lot of water, work hard. Story goes on. A new king comes into power, doesn't know about Joseph, and he says to his people, "The Israelites have become much too numerous for us. We must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous." And if war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So check it out. Amygdala. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built cities, Pithom and Ramses, as store cities for the pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. That's kind of funny to me. The, more, the harder you work, the more children you have, apparently. Is that, is that what's happening? So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Watch out. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. King of Egypt, this new one, said to the Hebrew, and it gets worse, said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shiphrah and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, what? Kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, and here's a great line, word, however, feared God. And they did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. They let the boys live. And the king of Egypt Summoned the midwives and asked them why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? Midwives being just as shrewd answers Pharaoh and says Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before we arrive (laughs) So God was kind To the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous and because the midwives fear God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile River, but let every girl live. Is that amygdala overload? Is that bake more bricks, work master, meet the quota, tweets go up, telling us to work harder and harder and longer and longer and faster and faster, heads up! And that's the life of the Israelites, perpetual anxiety. And I think some of us live that way today. I, for one, have not gone to school for this, but I think, I believe, I just might have a Ph.D. in amygdala overload. <laughs> Yet, the good news today is there is some semblance of freedom from this kind of anxiety and lack of margin in life, especially Southern California. Two simple action steps. I guarantee you, you will be you will be able to remember this. The first action step, jump ahead now to chapter 2, verse 23. Now, what's happened in the story is born, he's put in a basket in the Nile, and he's rescued. And he's raised by Egyptian women, and he becomes big and powerful in the Pharaoh's politics. And yet, Pharaoh goes, or Moses goes out to the field one day, watches a fellow Hebrew slave being abused by an Egyptian taskmaster, gets into a tussle, kills him, and Moses runs away. And that's where we pick up this story. The people of God are still working, baking more bricks, working harder and harder and harder. Amygdala overload. Watch out. Heads down. Heads up, I mean. And I want you to read verses 23, 24, and 25 with me because these are powerful texts. And if you have your own Bible with you, underline a few key words. Ready? Here we go. During that long Period of time, okay, this is the part where you read with me, right? The king of Egypt died. The Israelites, now listen, hold on, slow it way, way down. The cadence can be our enemy sometimes. A lot of times we read things and we blow right through it and we miss some of the best words. They've got to go deep for transformation to take place. So we're going to pause on that word groaned. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And they cried for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. The reading of God's Word. Those three verses powerful. They speak into an anxiety-ridden overload with heads up, amygdala-prone headaches above the temples. By the way, this does really feel good. Right, right there. There's freedom. There's freedom from it, and it's just, it's two simple tests or texts. Number one, you know what they did? They groaned it. They just groaned it out. They lamented it. They said, this isn't right. This can't possibly be happening. This can't be our lot in life. Are you kidding me? Ann Lamott says, if you only (laughs) pray, three words, pray, help, thanks, and wow. This is the first word. This groan is help. Now, the other fascinating thing about these three verses is, if you go back to the original, Walter Brueggemann does a fabulous job of unfolding this for us. He says this. They just, it wasn't even a verbal groan. It was was literally just a groan from the gut. And it was a prayer uttered, not to a specific God at this point. It was a prayer that was uttered to any God that would listen and help. It was an open-ended prayer. If there's a God out there that sees our plight and can possibly do something about this, please help How primal is this? How refreshing is this? doesn't have to be a long prayer. In fact, it doesn't even have to be a verbal prayer. It just has to be a groan. They, the people of God groaned it out. They groaned it out. Oh. How many times have you gotten bad news somewhere along the line and your only response is something like this? Or uh, apparently Alfredo has it's just been a groan have you had news like that before do you look around the world today and, and have no words just a sigh and a groan and how can this be And that's what's happening in this text. They just groaned a prayer for help. SOS, anybody, please. So a man, there was a man that was in a posh, older theater in a downtown, downtown setting. And uh, he, it wasn't pews like this. It was uh, individual chairs, right? Get the picture? Individual chairs in an old theater, main level, balcony up above. And he was sprawled out, kind of laying across three chairs uh, in the back. And an usher came up and saw this and didn't like what they saw. He said, excuse me, sir, um, you can only sit in one seat, just one. He didn't really reply with anything He, he groaned, basically. He just groaned. The usher tried again. Hey, ma- what's your name? No response. You can only have one seat. If you don't move, I'm going to go get the manager. Sure enough, he didn't move. Usher went, got the manager, brought back the manager. Now there's two of them. The usher and the manager. The manager says, I'm the manager. I'm going to step in, take charge, and make things happen. Manager tried the same thing. Guy st- sprawled out, barely conscious, seemingly. You can only have one seat, sir. didn't move. Manager and usher got very frustrated now. Okay, I'm going to call the police. A couple minutes later, just a couple, police come in with the usher, with the manager. Now there's a, now there's three of them. Excuse me, sir. There's been a disturbance here. You've been asked to move a couple of times. You can only take up one seat. I'm going to have to ask you nicely to please move. Doesn't do anything. You just... Sir, what's your name? Sam. Thank you, Sam. This is the most progress we've made so far, as I understand it. Sam, can you tell me right now where you're from? And he groans out the best that he possibly can the balcony. (laughs) Did you hear your groan? That's what's happening in the text. We don't need, when we're groaning and suffering, we don't need somebody to come and tell us the rules. We don't need somebody to come and tell us what the protocols are. We need somebody that's going to listen and get some help. That's what's happening in the text. (laughs) The Israelites don't care about rules anymore. They don't care. They just want somebody to listen, have some compassion, and help. And we're going to take any God, by goodness, at this point in time. Whatever you are, whoever you are, any God that can help, please help. Because the Egyptian sun god, Ra, he's making our lives miserable. They groaned it. They just just groaned it out. So do we. Anybody groaning today? What are you groaning about? Anyone? Pardon me? Florida. Groan. What else? My stupid phone. right? A water leak. Alfredo's not groaning today, but I guarantee you he will be. He will be groaning. Anything else? Anyone else? What do you, I mean, I mean, really, honestly, what do you groan from? Dreamers. Oh, really? What else? What? Test results. Alfredo's family is immigrating to two other countries as we speak? Other countries as we speak. Wow. The journey. I know you're groaning. Because we groan. We groan in slavery and we grumble in freedom. That was awesome. Freedom from this begins with let the groan out. Not towards each other. See, that's where we get mixed up as human beings too. We groan out against each other. No, wrong place to let the groan go. (laughs) Groan to God that will hear. And the fascinating aspect of this story is we're not left with the story because with the groan only. Because, did you catch those other words? God heard them. God remembered them. God looked upon them, and God was concerned about them. Four action words in two words: heard, remembered, looked, concerned. Wow! You groan and you want to get God's attention. That does it. It actually gets God's attention. Now, the fascinating thing about this story is we read it literally, literally. We don't think God's been at work yet. We think God's going to now jump into action. Well, if you look back to the beginning of the story, God's already been at work. That's that's the problem with our groans. It's our short-sightedness. It's part of our human frailty. We groan in the moment and we lose sight of the fact that God's probably already been at work. We need to just lighten up, relax, whoa. God's got this. And God does, because immediately, grace begins to work in the story. Grace begins to work in the story. God hears God, remembers God, looks God's concerned. And then grace kicks in and comes in amazingly unexpected ways. And that's what the rest of Lent is going to be about. We start Lent this week, this journey forward to freedom. And it begins very simply with, are you groaning? Groan. Let it out before God. Lament. Give it to God because grace is already and immediately at work. And you're not going to believe what you're going to see. So there's a, there was a guy who was hitchhiking uh, on a very dark night in the middle of a downpour. And uh, we don't have that many of those here in Southern California. But have you ever been in a downpour that's been so heavy you can't see more than a foot or two in front of you? Or you've been in a downpour in your car and literally you have to pull over to the side of the road and sit and wait for it? Once in a while this happens, right? So it was that kind of a night. Very dark, downpour, couldn't see anything. Poor guy's hitchhiking. Suddenly, a car comes towards him very slowly and stops almost right next to him. He's blinded by the short-sightedness of the evening darkness and the rain just pouring down. He jumps into the back seat of the car. Love this story. It could have happened. Closes the door, gets inside, suddenly realizes nobody's behind the steering wheel. Car begins to move. Not very fast, just slowly move. As they come towards a curve... He starts getting a little nervous because the car has to turn and there's nobody behind the wheel. And so he begins to groan in a prayer, help me, help me, help me, save me, save me, save me. And as they get towards the curve, a hand reaches inside the car, moves the steering wheel, and they go around the corner. The guy's kind of in shell shot, blown away, kind of freaking out and nervous. Gets up enough enough energy, jumps out of the car and runs into town. Gets into town, Goes to a restaurant, because he's tired, cold, hungry. And he tells everybody in the restaurant what had just happened. And they didn't take him seriously at first until they realized, this guy's not kidding. And so he has his meal. About 30 minutes later, two other guys come in to the restaurant. They sit down at a table, and they said this to themselves. Hey, John, that's that's the guy that jumped into the car when we were pushing it. Like I said, it could have happened. <laughs> so the journey to freedom is, is two simple steps. First, we groan And then and then we look for the hand of God to reach into the car and turn the steering wheel. To set grace unaware and unexpected in motion. So during this Lenten season, this journey to freedom. Will you commit to groaning your prayer to the great I am and to allow grace to take action yeah let's pray grace always wins grace never fails grace shows up in schools and in prisons and in hospitals and in doctors offices grace never fails grace always wins if if we groan appropriately let it be and look for the grace forgive us when we move from groan to grumble too quickly flow of the text has always grown to God. Grace is immediate. That's the beginning of the road to freedom. May it be so in the lives of persons in this room, in the lives of the corporate life of this congregation, In the life of the church in Southern California, the United States, around the world, and into our back door again, there will be time to act. But today, today, God, teach us to say enough. It's okay to start with groan as a springboard to grace. because grace always wins. In your strong, wonderful, powerful, and holy name we pray.